not we're here and we just think, oh, we know how this is going to roll. Someone's going to get up. Stephanie's going to actually get up. Stephanie, why don't you come on down? And, and that'll, that'll raise a little bit of expectation there. You're not listening to me rabbit on. Um, but you'll, you'll sort of, whatever, whatever it is, I'd like to challenge us this morning to, to, in whatever way, we, however way you want to respond, is say yes right now to the move of the Holy Spirit because he's here. And he's here not to just give us a little bit of a tingle in the back of the neck. That's lovely. But he's here to transform us, to change us, to give us hope. I think he's here to heal some of us. Like as scary as that is and as, as crazy as that you know, messes with our, our Western 21st century mindset, it's still true. And whether we've seen it or, or, or not, it's still true. So I'm very excited. Um, when, when I was planning this series, Steph, I was gonna say, Steph was one of the first people in my, in my head that I thought, I don't want to do a series on, on Jesus without Stephanie being part of it. That's not to diminish everyone else involved in the series. Um, um, but, but I think one of the things um, Steph and Angela would agree with me, she's, she's in Christ, much to her um, joy. <laughs> um, but um, Steph and Alistair are really probably one of our closest, closest, dearest friends. And one of the things that I most love about Steph in particular is, is her heart for Jesus. And so we are in for an incredible privilege of, of hearing Stephanie speak and to, for her to share with us the Jesus that she gives her life to over and over and over again. And then just when you think you have got it all, but wait, there's more. And, and I'll, let Stephanie, I'll let Stephanie introduce the great, the more of. Yeah, normally I'm, I'm giving her a hard time and tearing her down, so she's not used to me being com- complimentary. And, and <laughs> yeah. But I'm just going to pray. So, Father, actually, can we just stand? Because I really do. Please, in standing, please, again, just increase your expectation of what it is the Father wants to do in you, but also through you today. So, Father, as we stand before you, Jesus, we thank you so much for the incredible, wonderful, beautiful name that is Jesus. We thank you for... For all that we know of you, Jesus, all that we've experienced in however long our journey has been with following you, but to know that that is just a a tiny taste of all the good that is to come. It is just a glimpse of what is the brilliance of who you are, Jesus. And this morning, we stand before you, God, saying, yes, please, more. And so, God, I just thank you for Stephanie. I thank you for who she is. I thank you for the journey that she has carried and walked with you, God. I thank you for the way that you have made in her life. And I thank you for the mountains that she still is, is still walking and journeying with you and through you. I pray that as she shares with us, Holy Spirit, would you anoint her words and Father, and would you anoint us as we listen to, to allow those words to go deep within us and for them to change us 
to transform us and to use us to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth right here, right now, tomorrow, next week, here in Snell's Beach, in Algies Bay, in Walkworth, wherever we live, as it is in heaven, in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lyndon. Just rearrange myself. I've got an imaginary friend up here. No, I'm going to be inviting a guest up soon. Um, I might just pick any random person. No, don't worry, don't worry. It's, it's, it's all organized. So the name that I chose um, of the aspect of Jesus is Jesus, friend of sinners. I don't know why I picked that because... Um, yeah, I mean, Jesus, friend of sinners, right there. Jesus, friend of sinners. You've got Jesus at one end of the sentence and sinners at the other end, and you can join it with friend of. And what if we change Jesus' name to uh, son of God? Friend of sinners. It's no wonder we have to have faith in this. This is unbelievable, isn't it? A good unbelievable. Son of God, friend of sinners. He who is without sin, friend of sinners. We often see Jesus with sinners, don't we, in the Bible? When Jesus was in Jericho, he sought out Zacchaeus, the swindling old tax collector, because that's who he wanted to stay with. Zacchaeus was in a tree when he heard that Jesus was coming, waiting to see him and meet him, and he, and he was of short stature, so he, he got up on a high place to see Jesus coming. And Jesus came along. He said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And when they saw it, the old Pharisees, they all grumbled. Ah, he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Luke 7, 37. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them away with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Isn't that the most beautiful portrayal of repentance? And again, the Pharisees were appalled. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman that was who was touching him. For she is a sinner. What did Jesus do? Scorn her? Tell her to go away, that it was inappropriate, he was at dinner? No. He welcomed her, and in fact, he commended her for what she did. Because Jesus is a friend of sinners. Matthew 9.12, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Luke 5.32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
sinners. We, we hardly hear of that word outside of the church much at all, do we? Sinners. Sinners. Sin. Sinner. Hardly ever. And, like, I don't know what you think of when, when you hear that word, sinners. Those who commit genocide, drug lords, serial murderers, dictators, fraudsters, those creating multiple identities and claiming benefits of all sorts, and they're living the high life, minting it. Pedophiles, sex traffickers. Now, before I became a Christian, I, I believed that that is who Jesus came for, that group of people. And, and I think many um, Irish people think like that. Well, I won't say the whole of Ireland, but definitely my family. And, and, and they say, when I was trying to evangelize them, and evangelize them very badly, I did. If there was a book going, 100 things not to do when you're evangelizing, I did 101. And so you'd be chatting away to them and telling them, you need Jesus. And they would say, sure, I wouldn't say a bad word about anyone. That is the highest accolade in Ireland at anybody's funeral. They never said a bad word about anyone. <laughs> and actually, do you know, Irish people don't actually say good things to or about anyone. Like, this would be fairly typical. You'd be going to a wedding. You would have spent hours looking for a dress. You finally find one. The morning of the wedding, you're getting all adorned, putting it on. You've got killer heels as well. Definitely some nice accessories. And then you spend a fair wee while on the old makeup and the old hair. You go down to the kitchen, then you're expecting some kind of, uh, you know, bit of all right, you know, something, a bit, bit of uh, affirmation. So you go down to the kitchen, anyway, you walk in, and someone will say, do you want a cup of tea? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, a cup of tea would be lovely. I'll make the tea while you go and get ready then. <laughs> now, if you get that kind of response, you are rocking it. You are neat. You look fabulous. Now, if you walk into the kitchen and somebody says, oh, you look nice. No, you don't. You look shocking. Go back upstairs. Don't wait for the tea. Go back upstairs and change. You'd be better off in a jeans and a white T-shirt. But sin isn't all that what we mentioned earlier, is it? What about gossiping, slander, grumbling and complaining, and all those things that roll off our tongue? And it's not just what we do or say, is it? What about what we don't do? Remember the servant who hid the bag of gold instead of working it? And Jesus said, you wicked, lazy servant. And what about the sin that goes, goes unseen? In here, in here. Thoughts of jealousy, judging, criticizing, coveting, lust, pride, self-righteousness. We're all guilty, aren't we? Romans 3.23 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Somebody looked up the word all in the dictionary recently. It still means all, <laughs> without exception. What a rabble, as John Mumford, he kept using that word a lot. What a rabble we are. Jesus, friend of sinners. Our only hope. Jesus, the man of sorrows. Maz spoke about so beautifully last week. If you haven't heard it, I would definitely recommend you to go back and listen to it. And the depth of what he goes into, totally worth listening to. Jesus, the man of sorrows, who took our sins, had them crucified with himself so that we could go free. Free of punishment. Free of the punishment we deserve. Jesus, friend of sinners. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this. That he laid down his life for his friends. For our part, we need to recognize that we're sinners, acknowledge our sin, and ask for forgiveness with sincerity of heart. And we are forgiven all that stuff. All of it. The big, the middle, the, the little. And I used to have a wee problem with this, actually, because I was like, well, what about that big stuff? And one time, my dad, he was up to his latest shenanigans, and um, I've heard Aidan use that word a bit lately. I must get it from me, shenanigans. Anyway, dad was up to his latest shenanigans, and I was none too happy. And I, was like, I tell you what, I will elect myself as a spokesperson for the family, and I'll go and tell him. He was in Dublin, and I was in England. So I phoned him up. I said, I'm coming to see you. He said, oh, that'll be great. I said, meet me off the ferry. He said, I will. So I went to bed that night. I was praying my little heart out. God, you've got to give me the word to tell him that he is the scummiest bag of the earth and we want nothing to do with him. And I'm going to make a public display of him when I get off that ferry so that he knows what it feels like to the embarrassment that he called, caused us. And I was praying away. And Jesus said to me, Steph, are you any less of a sinner than he is? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't answer that, of course, because you know when God asks you a question, he's not like going, hey, Steph, I just want your wee opinion on the level of sin in your household. <laughs> he wasn't asking that at all. So I'm like, seriously? Yeah, sin is sin. Once it's forgiven, as far as Jesus from the West, it's forgiven. You are my friends. I no longer call you servants. John 15, 15. And then, do we ever sin again? I wish we didn't. But we do. But we can keep on repenting and we can keep on being made new. 
It's a process. I wish it wasn't so hard sometimes. One time I felt like I'd had surgery one weekend and I said to God, I said, I tell you what, why don't you just get on with it and just do it all in one and we'll be done with it. He said, you'll be in bed for a year recovering. I went, all right, okay, we'll do this bit by bit then. <laughs> and if Jesus hadn't done enough, if that wasn't enough for us, he goes ahead to prepare a place for us. John 14, 2. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Jesus, friend of sinners. And he didn't just go off to heaven with, see you later. He left us his Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. The Holy Spirit, who guides us, gives us joy and peace when it just seems irrational. And the Holy Spirit, who heals us. And so I want to invite my friend Kim to come up. She can testify to this very thing. The Holy Spirit who guides, comforts, gives joy, and heals. Hello, Kim. Now, you'll all know Kim. I'm getting another mic. You'll all know Kim because anytime there's an open mic, Kim's always grabbing the mic and Lyndon's wrestling it back off her and she's always sitting up the front singing out really loud and waving her hands, drawing attention to herself. Isn't that you? Absolutely. <laughs> no, not at all. Kim. Yes. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, so my name is Kim and I grew up on the North Shore and I moved up here probably about 23 years ago with my two sons who are 22 and 23. Look, this is them. You didn't oh. know I had a photo of them. Yep. Two models, aren't they? Stunning. So those are my boys and I work at the local birthing centre with Nikki and yeah. So in 2018, you uh, started noticing some things that, um, that weren't quite right with your health. Mm. Uh, a few niggly, like, I remember one day you were sitting there and your, your left foot just turned in involuntary. Um, so, so tell us about um, that. So, yeah, probably in mid-2018, I started to notice um, that if I turned around quite quickly, my balance would go off and I was having some hearing difficulties and swallowing difficulties and my feet were doing random kind of stretching things that I wasn't controlling. So I went to the doctor a couple of times and um, they wanted to send me off to get some checks done, but I wasn't seen for about a year and a half and finally I went to a neurologist and was diagnosed with a brain tumour. A brain tumour. So I guess that's one of the worst diagnoses mm -hmm. that you could have gotten. What, what did you do with that? So um, when I went, they 
they told me I had a massive brain tumour back here that was going to require probably about a 12-hour surgery. And I was told that there was a high possibility I could die on the table. And if I survived, I would be deaf and blind on the side with a trachea tube and a feeding tube, and I could be paralysed. So um, that was pretty freaky, and I had to have the conversation with my children. I had to write my, uh, my will, which I hadn't done. We had to go there, so it was quite traumatic. And the actual operation then, um, you were leading up to that. So how emotionally were you preparing? Um, well, I think at first, you know, when you get a diagnosis like that, the wheels come off hugely, and I was, I was a mess. Um, but I remember coming around to your place one day and we were crying on the bed, well, probably I was actually, and you said, Kim, it's like you're hanging on the cliff with your fingernails and you have to let go and let God catch you. And um, that was really good. And I remember being with the Rifes and I remember saying to Angela and Lyndon, God's, the God's all that I've got left. There's nothing else. He's, and what if he lets me down? Because there's, there's nobody else. And at the same time, um, Lyndon, when you had been talking about Lectio 365, and I used to wake in the morning, and I used to listen to that, and there was a, one morning there was a prayer about surrender and yielding, and I prayed that prayer. And it changed. And Dej was putting music up, and I would lie in bed and cry because I thought I was going to die, and I was scared. But when I prayed that prayer, something changed, and I just thought, right. And I remember actually being at the birthing centre, and I was cleaning one of the rooms. And I looked out and the wind was blowing in the trees and I just got this incredible sense that and if you die, I am here and your mum is here and your family is here and I remember I wanted to go and stand under the trees like I just knew and things changed and I just got on and... <clears throat> I wrote my will and I had the conversation and I became really peaceful and I remember sitting in my room thinking, I'm gonna make some really funny videos that, you know, I, I thought I could dress up like an, like an angel. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can pop my head up on the screen and go, g'day everybody, <laughs> at my funeral. And I just, you know, and I thought I could do, and I, had, I was just in this really mad headspace of trying to make it light and funny and, um, yeah, and I remember I had so many people praying. And I went into the surgery and it was 12 hours. And I remember being there and I just wasn't scared. Something had happened and I wasn't scared. And I, I think it was the yielding surrender prayer and it was, it was everything. The, the songs I was singing, I would wake at four and I would cry. I'd cry in the car on the way to work. I would scream sometimes, God, why is this happening to me? because I've always been a very fearful person and afraid of a lot of things. And um, a lot of you probably don't know me because I do tend to hide at the back. I'm not a big group, so this is quite out of my comfort zone. But um, yeah, so anyway, I had the surgery, woke up, 
and I'm not paralyzed and my hearing is better. My vision is a little bit blurry. I don't have feeling on the side of my face. And the surgeon came down and he said, you know, we were sure you were gonna die on the table. He said, what we achieved was a 2% chance. So I still have the brain tumor. Um, it's stuck on the brain stem and they, they don't wanna operate but I've just been given a two-year clearance, as in it's stable and it's not growing, and it's changed my life. Yeah, sorry, that, that, no, sorry, can I just say, because <laughs> I've got the mic. Please. <clears throat> you know, like Lyndon, you get up and preach, and Dad, you do the music, and you know, there's people here, and you, you don't realize the impact of the thing, like Lectio 365, come on guys, it's really great. You know, and for me, it was perfect. And Dad, putting that music up over COVID, I lived on that stuff, and I sang those words, and I cried those words, and yeah. It's, it's amazing, and my life, my life has changed for the better. And someone said to me, if you could go back and not have the brain tumour and be the person you were before, would you? And I, no. So, so <clears throat> the biggest change is it then is the control thing, mm. is that what? Mm. Because I think for me, like I've, you know, I've been a Christian for many years, but it was like I was driving the car and Jesus was in the back seat. And I could see him in the rear vision mirror, and I was in. And I think maybe being a single parent, having to have control in that, and it was like I could see him, and, I, and occasionally I'd let him come and sit in the front seat with me. <laughs> <coughs> and then he went in the back because I was in control. And I think once your life is in danger, and you, like, because there's been issues in my past with my father and things like that, I learned to really rely on myself. And that's why I said to Lyndon, all I've got left is God. What if he lets me down? Because I'd never fully given myself to him in surrender. And because I could do this all on my own, I was a big tough girl. But when I prayed that prayer, it changed. And now I live my life with Jesus driving and I'm beside him in the You're front in the seat. seat. I am not in the back seat. <laughs> He's not in the back seat, and I'm not in the back seat. And that's how it should be. Yeah. And I'm not fearful anymore. I mean, I've traveled and done the South Island. I went up in the airplane a couple of weeks ago, which I've never done before, because uh, I used to have quite chronic anxiety. And I just, and I just you know, I live on my own. I don't do full-time work because of the surgery. I'm not worried about money. You know, I just... Yeah, I've got great friends around me, people who pray, and it's just, it's changed my life. And it's, um, you know, how many of us live our lives driving the car with Jesus beside us or in the back seat? Because I did it my whole life. And now I pray about everything. And I don't do anything unless I pray. And, I, and if I don't get the go ahead, I don't do it. And I just don't worry. Yeah, so the, your surgery was, what, 13 hours? 12. 12 hours. And as Kim says, the, the stats for that were, you know, very, very high for paralysis, deafness, and um, death even. <clears throat> yeah. Seizures. After seizures, brain tumor yeah. surgery is seizures, and I've not had one. Yeah. I've not had one headache. Yeah. 
And I mean, I get tired and, you know, my eye droops a bit and but things like that. But um, I, I remember waking up straight after the surgery and every time I woke up for about a year and a half, so the first thing I would say is, Lord, let me be the miracle. And yet it's not gone and it's still there. And you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but I'm probably living my life properly for the first time. Mm. Doesn't God work in mysterious ways, eh? The um, twists and turns that he brings us along uh, so that we remember him and get him out of the back seat of the car and get him to where he belongs. And, yeah, so today, um, Dan, can, will you come and... Um, And yeah, if we would just we would just love to pray with anybody this morning. Um, if anything that that we've said, you know, has struck a chord. Anything like, you know, we think that we become Christians and then our life is sweet and stuff. And, and when we get these curveballs, we're like a little bit shocked and a bit of affronted and a bit disappointed. But God said we will have trials, and and we've. You have to go through them with him. And also the whole thing of sin that we think, you know, um, you know, that was then and it's not now. And, and yet sin can still have a stronghold on us. And so if there's anybody wants to just, you know, and we don't have to pray for you. If you just want to come forward and just receive and say, yes, Lord, I want more of you. I mean, if you go out of here today loving Jesus more than when you came in or know that you are loved more than when you came in, Jesus would love that for you. And I think too, for those who, like me, are maybe holding on, you know, you think you're in control. We, we are not in control. <clears throat> and the wheels can come off quite quickly in life. And I mean, I'm sure you've heard stories about other people where you're like, wow, I didn't think that would happen. And, and if you want Jesus to be driving your car and you're beside him rather than in control, you know, just surrender to him and just pray that prayer because it changes your life when he's driving. Let's worship, let's just come before the Lord and let him do what he will with you. <laughs>